The Antidote is joined by singer Mark Hill. Thanks for coming, Mark. You're welcome. How does it feel to be the world-renowned expert about Larry Norman? Awesome. It's good to know his history. Seriously, Larry Norman must have been a big influence since you perform his music at your shows. So why is he so important to you? Um, It started off with the music playing, like the acoustics and stuff, and then becoming a Christian in 1980 and then finding his music, I thought, this is the music that I need for my spiritual life. I I love his lyrics. His uh, music is touching. It's helped me through a lot of situations. And uh, it just grew on me, and I thought, I want to do this stuff. And if the Lord lets me, I want to do this music to uh, witness and and, uh, do concerts, if I can, to uh, spread the word. But it's not a money-making proposition for you. No, no, it's all just because of Jesus and uh, having him in me and then listening to this music and and, uh, all the friends that I had in high school and stuff were lost. And I thought, well, if this music can touch me, then hopefully it touches these guys. And uh, I'm going to share this music with my high school friends and stuff. And a lot of them liked it, a lot of them didn't. But I would go down the hallways in high school and uh, make cassettes and throw them in the people's lockers as I'd walk by all the lockers <laughs> so they could hear this music. Because I just, I just figured this music is powerful. It's clear. It, it hits home. It's street level. It talks a lot about addictions and, and that we're just messed up and that we need a savior. There's been comparisons made of Norman to songwriters like Paul Simon and Bob Dylan. Do you really think he was at that kind of level? Oh, yeah. He he was a big Bob Dylan fan. They called Larry Bob Dylan in a Mick Jagger body. So he would, yeah. Larry liked to, uh, I don't want to say copy other artists, but he got a lot of ideas from the other rock artists. I know that he wanted to be a Rolling Stone for many, many years, but he was more, uh, I don't want to say copying, but I think he was influenced by Bob Dylan and the Beatles and the Stones. And he had said once, I want to put this music to the gospel lyrics, because it all does belong to the church. I'm going to send you back into your past. Can you remember which Larry Norman song was the first that you ever heard? The very first one was off the album Something New Under the Sun, and it was Leaving the Past Behind. You're exceptional, my friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the whole album's good. Um, it's, it's one of his rock albums. Uh, But yeah, Leaving the Past Behind was my very first Larry Norman song. I'd read that between studio and live albums, official bootlegs and compilations, that Larry Norman has a hundred albums. So there's no way we're going to be able to cover all of that. So are you okay with just covering his classics? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All his classics. I think his three main classic albums was uh, In Another Land, Only Visiting This Planet, and uh, So Long Go the Garden. And they banned it, the one album, So Long Go the Garden and the Christian Stories. They said it wasn't Christian. Because they didn't like the they, album cover. Yeah, that is exactly. They didn't like the album cover, him being Adam on the front. And plus, well, to give the little sideline on that, I also heard because they thought you could see pubic hair. You can. Yeah. If you, if you take the original cassette cover, you can see, yeah, there's a lot there. So that's probably why the uh, bookstores and the church flipped out. Does this mean that I'm going to have to put an explicit rating on this radio program? No, no, no. I'm going to keep my clothes on. (laughs) No, it's all good. Before he went on his own, Larry Norman had a hit with the band People Mm -hmm. when they covered the zombie song, I Love You. 
I really wasn't all that impressed mm-hmm. because I found it was just a clone of the original. But mm-hmm. what did you think of the song? When I first heard the original I Love You, I, I liked it and I knew it sounded like, okay, this is 60 era, like Beatles and Stones and stuff. Um, I liked it a bit because Larry got to do the chorus and uh, his voice was really strong and really healthy. And I heard the story that he was kicked out of the band yeah. because of being a Christian and the rest of the band went into Scientology. Yep, that's true. That's what I heard too. Yeah. Uh, one interview, Larry had said that he left the band after he got uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and he knew what he wanted. And And then I heard another interview from the original band that they did fire him because he had some things going on that they didn't like or it's hard to say so i really don't know the truth if he was fired or he just left on his own well then 69 came around and norman went solo and released upon this rock Mm -hmm. it's been called the first christian rock album the album's great but it didn't sell norman said that it was too religious for the rock and roll stores and too rock and roll for the religious stores Do you think there's still opposition to Christian music? Yeah, I think there is, especially his music. Like, I love that album, Upon This Rock. And even though he said it didn't sell much, I know a lot of people that have it. They said it was the uh, Sgt. Pepper Christian Rock album. (laughs) That's what they called it. Yeah, and Capitol Records supposedly uh, released it. But when I got the original album, I'm looking. It doesn't say Capitol Records. It says uh, something pack or I can't remember the name of it, but it didn't say uh, Capitol on it. He might have left Capitol before he released uh, Upon This Rock. No, it did release on Capitol, but Capitol was expecting a lot more response to the album. So I'm assuming that maybe just the rights to the album were then sold off again. Yeah, and then he went to MGM, I think. He did uh, Only Business Planet on MGM. Uh, But when he did In Another Land, he did his own, uh, he had his own label company, Solid Rock. He had a different way of presenting his music. Like, at times, I really wondered if he was actually purposefully trying to antagonize the Christian right. I think he was. I heard that he was a little ticked off with the churches and uh, judging him and saying that he wasn't a Christian because of his lyrics and his looks and his hair and and all that. And it was in the late 60s, so I I can see the churches, um, you know, like, this is new, this isn't of God, and we shouldn't allow this, and... But, uh... He, uh, he had said he wanted to shake up the uh, Christian philosophy that rock and roll can't be used by God. And Larry said, well, I think they're wrong, and rock and roll came from the black church, so I'm going to steal it back. <laughs> That's basically what he said, yeah. But I think it also was the topics that he brought up in mm, his songs, right. like speaking about sexually transmitted yeah. diseases on the song, Why Don't You Look Into Jesus, mm-hmm. and giving the lyrics, You'll be deaf before you're 33, shooting junk until you're half insane, mm-hmm. a broken needle in your purple vein. Yep. He wasn't singing to the church, obviously. No, when he wrote that song, he was singing it to Janis Joplin. He would stand behind stage and watch, because he opened up for a lot of the 60 bands, and... uh he had said one time he's standing behind the curtain and Janis Joplin's on stage yelling at him and singing and she's drinking Southern Comfort in a paper cup. And he said he he wanted to witness to her, but she would always come back like, oh yeah, Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad, yeah, they're all cool. So Larry decided, I'm just going to write this song for her. And that was for Janis Joplin, that why don't you look into Jesus with the needles and the gonorrhea on Valentine's Day and that. But when the church heard all that lyrics... It didn't go over good. That's why they banned it, most of his music from the Christian stores. 
Any idea if Janis Joplin ever responded to that? I don't know. I've never got any information on it. She probably did. I'm sure Larry would have talked a little bit to her, but he said that a lot of times she was drunk and just miserable and just mean, you know, just not there all the time. So he was hoping, I think, that she would get that song and, and hear it. Some people have said that the entire Christian music scene began with Larry Norman. And I mean, I really wonder what he'd think about being the originator of what's turned out to be a billion-dollar industry, mm-hmm. because Norman was so anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in the Jesus movement in the 70s, he started it, and all the hippies and all of them were coming to Jesus and finding out the truth. And when Larry's music came along in that time, the Christian hippies and all them thought, okay, this is, this is, this is awesome, man. This talks about God and... And uh, he's talking about every subject out there, like politics and hatred and love and government. Do you think there was ever a topic that he did sing about that he shouldn't have? Nope. No, I think everything. I think every song that he uh, done is uh, okay. I know that he's touched a lot of people with his music, and a lot of people have come to me and said, "Yeah, if it wasn't for Larry's music, I would have never known about Jesus and stuff." I know it's not all about music, but. I think sometimes music's got to be given to people to sometimes wake up, you know, like the Christian music. And uh, Larry had said, I know what God's wanted me to do, so I've done it. Even with Larry Norman covering those tough topics, he was still straightforward about his relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did the song, I Am a Servant. Mm -hmm. I Am a Servant. Yeah, actually, that's the only one he didn't write on his uh, In Another Land album. Seriously, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, if you look at the very back of the uh, album, like the record itself, it says, all songs written by Larry except one, and that was I Am A Servant. I can't remember the lady's name that wrote it. I know it's a, a lady wrote it, and uh, he did a fantastic job. Actually, sometimes it still brings me to tears when I'm by myself and I listen to that song. Yeah. I just can't see you, Mark, with tears running oh, down your yeah. cheeks. Yeah, some, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I break. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, how are you with going with your wife to see chick flicks? Does the same thing happen? No, no chick flicks. No, no, no they don't work. <laughs> no. Larry Norman offered up such a wide mix of music, even a really harsh social commentary on the song The Great American Novel. Yeah, he was bashing the government on that one. Like some of the lyrics, you starve your children so we can beat the Russians to the moon and that was back in the Jimmy Carter day when they invited Larry to uh, the White House. And uh, Larry said, uh, yeah, they told me that I'm supposed to sing for the president. I'm not singing for the president. I'm going to go give him some advice. <laughs> and uh, when, that's one of the songs he sang at the White House when uh, Jimmy Carter was in power. And Jimmy Carter had Only Visiting This Planet in his uh, record collection. So Larry was uh, the type that I don't care what people think or what they have to say. I'm telling the truth. I'm putting it out there. So that song's basically like, the government's messed up, you need Jesus. Yeah, he was definitely being harsh on that song, which is good, because they needed to hear it. It wasn't just the politicians, he was pinpointing our society, because Mm -hmm. he was putting out the analogy of, you know, the sheet that covers your children at night, I think it was, is covering your head. Yeah, the sheet on my my children's bed you wear, and uh, you kill a black man at midnight for talking to his daughter. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty hard song. Norman came out of an evangelical home. 
Do you think that could have been the reason for the song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready? Yeah, it could have been. I know he got saved at a very young age. He was saved at the age of five. And uh, yeah, I think he uh, he probably thought that Jesus was coming back soon back then. And he wrote it. And it's a good song. It's a good anthem. Because it's basically about the rapture. Yeah, it's about the rapture. And uh, he had a heart for the sinners, too. I remember him saying once, my music's not for the Christians. It's for the sinners. And um, he basically wrote that to get it out. Like, we got to get ready. Jesus is coming back soon, and not just because he's coming back soon, but we need to be ready at all times and walk with God the way we're supposed to. So that's a good song. I wish we'd all been ready. You said that he was writing the music for the Mm non-Christians, but where was he playing? You saw him. You told me, what, 11 times? Yeah, I met him 11 times. Um, Near the end, I got thinking, okay, he's doing more church um, concerts. I know he did a lot of stadiums and a lot of outdoor concerts, but the last few times I seen him, he was uh, going to churches, like the churches were calling him up and saying, come on to our church and do our concert and stuff. But uh, when that happens, I made sure I took a lot of non-Christian friends with me. I remember one time I had a buddy with me, he was uh, really strung out, and he's sitting in the front row, and it was so packed, he had to sit on the floor. And Larry looks down, he sees all these little kids, and Larry says, I know it's getting late. I hope you guys have a note from your parents. And my buddy says, I got my note, Larry. And Larry looks down at him and says, by the looks of you, you need a note. (laughs) And everybody just laughed in the audience. But right after the concert, Larry went to these guys that were all strung out that I brought to the uh, concert. And he prayed. And actually, Larry cried with the one guy about uh, his addictions and stuff. And uh, Larry looks at me and he says, don't you witness to these guys? I said, Larry, I witness to them all the time, especially at hockey. And another guy spoke up and said, that's a good place to do it. <laughs> I, I remember many times in interviews and stuff that he had a heart for the sinners. Like he'd walk down LA and walk right up to the Hells Angels and start talking to them about Jesus. And many times he would say, that's why you'll see me on a street corner playing my guitar and singing. Do you think it'd be fair, though, to call Larry Norman as being odd? I mean, to a lot of his fans, really, he was the one that represented Christ. But according to the documentary Fallen Angel, he also burned a lot of bridges and burned a lot of friendships. Yeah, that he did. I had no idea about that. When I saw that video, I I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm a fan. But then I got thinking, well, he's not perfect. I mean, we all have our issues and stuff. But then the other side of me thought, well, Larry, you could have been a lot nicer and and maybe not mess around with these musicians that you were looking after and producing and stuff. So the last time uh, I seen one of his concerts was about a year before he died, and he had admitted on stage that he used to fight with all these bands, and he said, if anybody didn't know about it, I'm sorry that you seen this side of me. I was talking to them, I gave them a big hug, and basically I apologized to all of them and got things straightened out. And I believe him, because near the end I could see there was the old Larry, the the nice, calm, you know, he didn't seem as miserable. And so I think he came to his senses and thought, you know what, I, I got to smarten up, I can't be like this. I'm not, this isn't the Larry that people know, and God's not happy with me acting this way. So, But near the end, I know he got hooked up with all of them and apologized and stuff. One of Norman's songs that's really a big favorite of mine is Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? But, you know, I think that idea almost backfired. Yeah. 
because a lot of Christians thought that Norman's music was straight from the devil. Mm -hmm. That's what they thought. And uh, I think what it was for that song was his dad came into the bedroom when he was nine years old and said, what are you listening to? And Larry said, rock and roll. He said, I don't want you listening to that stuff anymore. It's only about one thing, sex. And Larry's, well, I better obey my parents because it's a commandment, but I think my dad's wrong, so I'm just going to write it myself. So that's when he started writing his own music to prove that God can use any music he wants. But I think that's how it all started. Like, all these kids are freaked out over this rock and roll. Well, why should the devil have all the good music? I can make good music with Jesus lyrics. I think that's what he was getting across. Last year, Dr. Gregory Allen Thornbury published a biography called Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? Larry Norman and the Perils of Christian Rock. He called Norman the Pied Piper of the Jesus Movement. Do you think that if Norman hadn't come along, somebody else would have taken that spot? Hmm. I don't think so. I think God purposely put Larry on this planet to do what he did and that's a hard one. There might have been someone that come around to do it, but I don't think so. I really can't say, but I'm glad it was Larry that got to do it, to be the, the founder of the uh, putting the rock sounds to the gospel sound. Like he said once in concert, all these kids in the 50s were like, oh, this is new, Elvis Presley, this is new. And Larry would say to the kids in school, it's not new. Elvis and Jerry Lee and all these white performers would listen to the black man's music. Jerry Lee Lewis would run out of his house at nighttime and purposely go to these black churches to hear all this. So he was just saying, no, this music's not new. It's the black man's music. It came from the church, and I'm putting my gospel lyrics to this rock sound to prove that God can use this sound to bring people to Christ. And even more correctly, it wasn't the black man's music. It was the black woman's music exactly with that. Sister Rosetta yeah, Tharp. That's right. I think she's the one that is the pioneer, to be honest. I mean, Larry probably kicked the door down and made it more, you know. But I remember seeing her on stage with her electric guitar. And when I seen her, I got thinking, wow, Larry, that's before your time. <laughs> you know? But yeah, you're right. I've never asked you, have you got a personal favorite that Norman did? Outlaw. Larry Norman's Cut and Dried. Cut and Dried. I love playing that outlaw. I usually finish that off in the concerts, that song. Uh, a Song for Small Friends, that's a good song too. A lot of his nice, mellow, really touched me growing up as a teenager, um, listening to his music. Now, I got into Mark Hurd and all them guys too, but Larry was my favorite. It wasn't just his voice. It was just his, his music and his just a way of approaching himself. He wouldn't even sign autographs at one time. People would go down to the basement after a concert and, can we get an autograph? No, no. He was keeping everything like God first and, you know. Well, you were the one that jumped right on saying Outlaw. Mm -hmm. Why in particular that song? I love the way it sounds. I love the way he sings it and plays it. And in the early 80s, I didn't know how to play guitar, and I would take my records, and I'd go down to this guy's house that could play guitar really good. Actually, Steve Patterson, he's from down in Trenton. And I says, Steve, I can't play this stuff, but I really would like to sing it in church. I'm feeling in my heart that I need to sing this stuff for the non-Christian. So uh, I said, can you play Outlaw? And that was the first song he played. That's the first song that I sang in church. Yeah, Outlaws, it's got a big influence on me, big time. Any final thought about the music of Larry Norman? 
Awesome music. Awesome. And like I said earlier, me being a Christian and on fire and just excited, when I first heard this music, I, I said to myself, this is the music I want. I love the Beatles. I love the Stones. I love Neil Young. I love John Denver. But when I heard Larry's music, it was just like that, but it had gospel lyrics to it. I mean, he made his own music, but it's just, it's all there. The blues, the rock, it was just all put in together and it just grabbed me. I asked God many times, can I sing this stuff? If you want me to sing this stuff, I would love to sing it. So it wasn't until 1994 that I learned how to play his music on my guitar. The only thing I can't do is his bar chords. They're hard to do. (laughs) He's missed. Um, Like his ex-wife said, his music will never die. It hits home, and it it's changed a lot of people. And I didn't know that U2, the group U2, they were fans. John Cougar Mellencamp was a fan. Sammy Davis, yeah, they were all fans. And and uh, I knew his music was pretty popular because they would translate it in all these different languages and countries, too. So, yeah, his music, I'll, I'll do it if it's okay with the Lord to the day I die. Well, something else that's been awesome to me is having you, Mark Hill, here on The Antidote. I'm glad. I'm happy to be here. It's Thanks awesome. for coming and sharing about your Larry Norman obsession. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. It's awesome. 